0: I am the Virgin of the Poor, Our Lady of Banner Notre Dame, by Damien Warne and Joan Florey. Garden Don't talk nonsense. It's seven o'clock. Who'd be calling on us at this time of night? As her mother prepared the evening meal in the kitchen, little eleven-year-old Mariette Beko, who was waiting for her ten-year-old brother to come home from his friends, peered through the parlour window into the dark, moonless night. After lifting her hand and cleaning away the mist her breath had made, Mariette again pressed her face against the window pane. She frowned, "'screwed up her eyes, then opened them wide, "'turned away from the window and observed the dancing pictures "'made by the flickering oil lamp, which stood in the middle of the table. "'The frown left her face as she went over and carefully picked up the lamp "'and carried it to another room, "'and then returned to the window of the darkened parlour, "'which looked out onto a small patch of front garden. Mummer, what is it now?' "'There is a lady in our garden. "'Come and see for yourself. "'She's a very beautiful lady. "'Look, see, over there, to the right.' Against the total darkness of this snowy winter's night of January the 15th, 1933, Mariette could see every detail. The lady's gown was dazzlingly white, falling in soft drapes and pleats from its high round neckline. The waist was loosely girdled with a sky-blue sash, with two streamers coming down to her front knee, while the soft, transparent, gauze-like veil, which covered her head, shoulders and arms, was brilliantly white like the dress. The lady was slightly inclined to the left, so that just one foot was showing, and on this was a golden rose. Her hands were loosely joined together, with the fingers pointing towards the snow-covered ground and over her right arm hung a rosary. The beads were diamond-like, with a gold chain between them, and at the bottom hung a golden cross. "'Do you see her, Mamma? Do you see her?' Mrs Becko? more to pacify her daughter than anything else, looked out onto their garden, only to be startled by a bright light, rather resembling a person, though more like one who was covered by a sheet. "'Oh, my goodness!' be a witch come away child come away from there she pulled a heavy blanket into place over the window it isn't a witch mariette pulled the blanket aside again it must be the blessed virgin she she's smiling at me huh, the blessed virgin i shouldn't think so i shouldn't think that at all likely unconcerned by her mother's scoffing Mariette picked up a string of rosary beads that she had found one day by the side of the road, but which she had never used, and began saying the prayers. And as she prayed, the lady's lips also moved, though Mariette heard nothing. After about ten minutes, the lady raised her right arm and, with her index finger, beckoned. Mariette moved towards the door. Mamma, the lady wants me. Does she now? Were you not going out there in this bitter cold weather?' and to make sure that her daughter did not, Madame Becco moved swiftly and quickly locked the door and put the key in her apron pocket. Oh, but Mummer! Don't you Mummer me? Mind away now. Mariette did as she was told, and went back to her position by the window, but the lady was no longer in the garden. When her brother Julian came in the back door, Mariette said, "'There was a lady in our garden just now. Did you see her?' "'The boy shook his head. "'I think it was the Blessed Virgin. "'You must be seeing things. "'There's no one in the garden. There's no one in the roadway either. Who'd be silly enough to stand out in the snow. "'Not the Blessed Virgin, I bet!' Mariette was quiet after this outburst, "'and during the evening meal nothing more was said on the matter.' and she sat thoughtfully with lowered eyes. Leaving the table now, she glanced first at her mother, who was feeding the baby, a little boy, the latest addition to the family, and then over to her father, who, as usual at this time of night, was asleep in his armchair by the fire. Resisting the temptation to waken him, Mariette decided to go to bed. Tomorrow would be soon enough to broach the subject again. Not only that, she was very tired... Being the eldest of seven children meant that there was no such thing as spare time for Mariette, even though she did frequently play truant from school, as she was kept constantly busy helping her mother care for this large and very poor family. In fact, the very name Baner means poor, as it stems from the word banal, meaning commonplace. This village, built on a piece of very marshy land on the plateau that forms the summit of the Ardennes, was specially reserved for those too poor to buy a plot for themselves. Needless to say, this land yielded precious little, and that bit where Monsieur Becco had built his own house, brick by brick, was particularly boggy, and known locally as the swamp. Not that Julian Becco was poor from choice. He was a good husband and father, and by trade a wire-maker. Unfortunately for him, the work was spasmodic, and as often as not he had nothing to do which happened to be the case at the moment. In the morning, Monsieur Becco listened quietly while Mariette related the story about the lady in the garden. When she had finished, he studied his daughter's face, which so resembled his own with its strong nose and widish mouth. Hers, though, had the roundness of youth and was framed with dark, bobbed hair. Then his eyes crinkled up and he threw back his head and laughed, really mariette you are a silly girl what nonsense you are talking despite this remark of his monsieur becco could not rid his mind of the story he knew that his eldest child was far from silly and he had never known her to tell a lie not only that he was impressed by the fact that his wife louise had also seen something the affair troubled the man as he walked amidst a winter wonderland of white powdered snow in the wood of the poor opposite the house, woods which the monks of Stavelot, to whom they belonged, had made available to the locals for obtaining burning matter. Later, when he returned home, dragging a sack of logs behind him, Julian Becco decided to proceed further with the matter. First of all, he approached his wife. Louise? Whereabouts in the garden? Did you see that that white shape last night? Oh, in the garden in the middle? She nodded vaguely in the direction of the window. Come outside and show me the exact spot, will you? What now? I'm busy, can't you? Come now, it won't take a minute. Shrugging her shoulders, Louise folded her arms across her chest and followed her husband outside the grey-green roots of the cabbage stalks and an unpruned gooseberry bush stared out at them from their bed of snow, in what was only a very small rectangular plot of ground, bordered off from the roadway by rusty lengths of wire. There, Louise pointed and then shivered. That's where I saw the... the white thing. Monsieur Becco continued his investigations the moment Mariette returned from school. "'where she had been for the first time in two months. "'And where did you see that... thing?' "'His daughter pointed to the same spot Louise had. "'Wondering if perhaps someone had stood outside playing tricks "'by making images with a lamp, "'Monsieur Becker, when it was dark, "'experimented with his own lamp "'by moving it up and down and backwards and forwards "'to see if he could obtain a reflection on the snow. "'He even threw water on the spot "'indicated by his wife and daughter,' To find out, when it froze, as it quickly did, whether that might be the explanation. It was not. During her day at school, Mariette had broken the news of her lady to a friend. Josephine, listen, you'll never guess, but last night I saw Our Lady. What? You what? Josephine Leonard threw back her head and laughed, only to stop suddenly at the sight of her friend's tears. "'Hey, Mariette, what's the matter with you, eh?' "'This is the first time I've seen you cry. "'Usually you're the first to turn on any of us.' "'Here, Mariette,' she took hold of the girl's arm. "'Go on, tell me then. "'Did you really see our lady?' Mariette gulped back her tears, sniffed loudly, "'and rubbed her nose with the back of her hand. "'I did, yes. "'Well, go on then.' Where did you see her? What did she look like? What did she wear? She was in our garden, and she was so beautiful. Only a young lady, and not very tall. She had a long white dress on with a blue sash, and there was a beautiful golden rose on her right foot. I couldn't see her other foot as her dress covered it. Oh, yes, and there was a rosary hanging from her right hand. What else? What else? Um, oh, yes, she had her hands joined as if she were praying. And she had her head on one side. And she smiled at me. <sighs> Josephine's eyes were like saucers. You'd better go and tell the priest. Look, she said as Mariette shook her head. I'll come with you. After a great deal more persuasion, Mariette finally agreed. And when school was over... "'The two children went to the presbytery, which was a small terraced house. "'The priest who opened the door in reply to their ringing was a man of thirty-four. "'Though young, Father Jamon's health was in a very poor state, "'but as nothing much ever happened at Banner, his commitments were not overtaxing. "'His looks, though, did not pity him.' "'And to the two young girls, this rather portly man "'with the deep frown lines across his forehead "'and bushy eyebrows, which almost met as he stared down at them, "'was quite formidable. "'Well,' he said, "'Er, I've brought back the book you lent me, Padre.' "'Josephine quickly thrust a book into the young man's hand. "'I've read it.' "'Well, you read that quickly, Josephine.' and then with a sideways look at her companion. It's a pity you can't encourage Mariette to do a bit of reading, eh? Then to Mariette, I hear you do little enough of that. And what about catechism classes? Neither child spoke. Oh, well, all right, off you go then. The two girls still stood, but now Mariette was nudging her companion. Go on, Josie, tell him, tell him! "'What is it?' asked Father Germain, "'Speak, then.' "'Josephine took a deep breath and said, "'Mariette Beckels in the Blessed Virgin!' "'These words coming in the cold light of day "'and to the parish priest "'somehow seemed incredibly hollow to poor Mariette, "'so much so that she turned tail "'and ran away as fast as she could. "'Josephine stared after her friend, "'but knowing that Mariette was always truthful,' truthful to the point of being blunt. She stood her ground, and with great confidence related the previous evening's happenings to Father Jammer. "'Well,' said the priest when Josephine came to an end, "'all I can say is that Mariette must have heard about the children of Beaurang, "'and she's imagining she's seeing the Blessed Virgin. "'Really, Josephine, you shouldn't have bothered me with this rubbish!' "'Now just you go and tell Mariette Becko "'that the Mother of God does not just appear to anyone, "'least of all to someone who doesn't go to church. "'You'd better tell her I said she's to say no more about it "'unless she wants to make a complete fool of herself.' "'With these final words, the priest closed the door on Josephine, "'who ran off to join her friend "'who was hiding round the corner of the street. "'What did he say?' "'Mariette looked anxiously at the other girl.' told him everything but I don't think he believes you Josephine shook her head from side to side he thinks you made it up but I haven't made it up the child stamped her feet in annoyance I know I saw her I'm certain of it that evening just before seven o'clock and after she had finished her supper Mariette put on a heavy topcoat a berry on her head and without a word to anyone went outside into the garden. sun no longer offering protection, it was freezing cold, with the moon glistening on the frozen pools of water caught in the rough tracks of the road and garden. Despite this, Mariette knelt down on the exact spot where she said she had seen the lady and began praying the rosary. Knowing his daughter's fear of the dark and the fact that there was at least 20 degrees of frost, Monsieur Becco shouted at her, Receiving no reply, he banged the door to attract her attention. When this didn't work, he went out into the garden, while his wife and young Julian peered through the window. For a time, nothing happened, and eventually, fearing his daughter would be frozen stiff, Monsieur Becco moved towards the kneeling figure. Just as he was about to place his hand on her shoulder, Mariette stretched her arms before her, then, moving slightly to her side the man looked at the child more closely. Her normally large eyes were even larger as they stared unblinkingly ahead. The father's first reaction was to speak, but totally overcome by the look on his daughter's face, he knelt down beside her and watched her eyes, which now seemed to be following something. A few minutes later he was on his feet again. The Padre, he said under his breath. That's it. I must fetch the padre. But to his disappointment, Father German was out, so he called on the house next door, and it was Michael Charlisek and his 11-year-old son who accompanied him on his return about ten minutes later. The trio had hardly arrived when Mariette, still wide-eyed, rose to her feet and left the garden. Outside in the road, instead of making for the village as they expected, she turned left and went in the opposite direction. "'slowly along the road, just as though she were sleepwalking. "'Mariette! Mariette!' called the astonished father. "'Where are you going?' "'Without turning and without stopping, the girl replied, "'She's calling me.' "'Hardly were the words out when Mariette dropped to her knees with a thud. "'The noise as they hit the frozen earth was quite startling.' A few minutes later she stood up and continued walking, while the two men and boy, sensing the unusual, stood rooted to the spot. And this time, though they called her, there was no reply. A little further along the road, Marriott thudded to her knees for a second time, only to rise and walk on. About a 120 yards from the house, the little girl made a sudden sharp turn to the right and fell to her knees beside a muddy ditch which ran along the side of the road. Julian Becko and his friends had followed her to this point, and although it was hard of them to see what was going on, because the dense pines had cut off the moon's glow, they nevertheless saw Mariette thrust her hands into a little pool of water. As she did so, the rosary beads she had been holding dropped into the mud, Then Mariette spoke. This spring is reserved for me? Julian Becco, Charlisek and young Henry stared hard at the embankment, expecting to see whoever it was that Mariette was talking to. They saw nothing. And Mariette, having said, Good night, au revoir, stood up, shivered and pulled her heavy coat closely to her. Her eyes were shining, and in answer to the questions, the girl explained, "'The Blessed Virgin came to see me again, just like she did the other night. "'But tonight I saw her far, far away in the sky. "'She was ever so tiny, and I stretched my arms out to her. "'She was coming towards me very quickly, and the nearer she got, the bigger she got. "'She came between the top of those two pines,' Marriott pointed "'And then she stopped in front of me. "'Her feet didn't touch the ground, "'but were resting on a very grey sort of cloud just above it. "'The cloud was sort of like smoke. "'Well, did she look the same as before?' asked Monsieur Becco. Um. yes, she did, "'except that this time she had a sort of light round her head. "'Like coming in straight lines?' the girl frowned. "'She was all light.' Even her dress. Yes, then what happened? asked Monsieur Charlysec. Then the lady beckoned me, and so I followed her. But why did you drop to your knees? asked her father. Oh, that was because our lady stopped, and each time she stopped I knelt down. What were you doing at the bank then? Well, the lady stood on the opposite side, and she said to me, Plunge your hands into the water. "'And after I'd done that, she said, "'This spring is reserved for me. "'And then, good night. Au revoir.' "'After that, she rose ever so high in the air, "'through those two pine trees again, "'and she got smaller and smaller "'until she disappeared altogether.' "'On their return home, "'and while his friends Charlesec and Henry "'went to fetch the parish priest, Julian Becker related the whole story to his wife,' and both noted that the whole thing from the start of Mariette's kneeling in the garden to when she stood up on the bank had taken exactly one hour. When Father Jamin arrived in the company of a friend, Don Marmol, a Benedictine monk, and Com Covedic, whose home was less than a mile from the Beckers', he listened to the account in silence and then asked, ''Where is Mariette now?'' ''She's gone to bed,'' Julian Beko replied, it's such a bitterly cold night, and the child was frozen stiff when she came in. Although she did say that all the while the lady was there, she wasn't in the least bit cold. Hmm, I see. The priest cleared his throat and remained silent while the monk asked, Do you really believe your daughter has seen the Blessed Virgin? Oh, yes, yes, I do, said Monsieur Becco. And then turning to his parish priest, he continued, "'To show you how deeply I believe, I shall come to confession in the morning, "'and then I'd like to make a good communion. "'You know,' he said almost ruefully, "'it'll be the only one I've made since my first communion when I was a boy.' "'Father Jaman smiled. "'He knew all about the Beckos, for in the five years he had been in Baner, "'there was very little he didn't know about his flock.' This was a turn-up for the book, Julian Becco proposing to return to the church. All the same, he was a very perplexed man when he and his companions left the little house. The following day, and just before seven in the evening, Mariette again put on her coat and went out into the garden. This time she was not alone, as the news had spread, and out in the roadway stood eleven people, including the local doctor. Father Germain... not among them. As before, Mariette knelt down on the snow-covered ground and began to say the rosary. After a short while, the child stretched out her arms and cried, ''Oh, there she is! There she is!'' And then, acting on a suggestion from Don Marmol, who had come to see her earlier in the day, Mariette asked, ''Who are you, madame?'' Then there was silence for a moment. "'until Mariette spoke again. "'Oh, the Virgin of the Poor!' "'Then, as on the previous evening, "'the little girl went out of the garden, "'turned left along the road, "'thudded to her knees twice, "'turned sharp right, "'and knelt on the edge of the bank. "'Then the little entourage heard her ask, "'Oh, beautiful lady, "'you said yesterday that this spring is reserved for me. "'Why me?' Again silence until Mariette said, "'To relieve the sick. Thank you. Thank you.' The doctor who examined her found nothing abnormal in her condition. And then it was over, and Mariette returned home. In answer to the questions put to her, Mariette said, After I'd been kneeling in the garden for a little while, the lady came very quickly from the sky through the pine trees and stood in front of me on the little cloud. And when I asked her who she was, she said, I am the virgin of the poor. When I followed her down the road and knelt by the bank, I asked her why was the spring reserved for me. Why me, I asked. The lady smiled even more, and then she laughed and said, This spring is reserved for all the nations. She stopped a moment and then said, To relieve the sick. And then I said, Thank you. Why did you say thank you? A questioner asked. I said thank you because I thought Our Lady was giving me something nice. She was smiling. But I didn't know what she was giving me. And I don't know what the word nations means. After her father had fetched an old atlas and explained, Mariette nodded and went on. After I'd said thank you, Our Lady said, I will pray for you. Au revoir. Despite the doctor finding nothing abnormal in Mariette Becker's condition, the child felt tired and ill. The next day, Friday January the 20th, she stayed in bed and slept. At 6.45 in the evening, she woke up, put on her clothes, and after a lot of tears and threats to jump out of the window if she were kept indoors, her parents finally gave in, and accompanied by her father, she went into the garden. About twenty people, almost double the number of the previous evening, stood silently in the roadway. Among them was another doctor and two journalists. Mariette went immediately to her accustomed spot, dropped to her knees and began praying. Hardly had she done so when her eyes widened, and spreading out her arms she exclaimed, Oh, there she is! What do you want of me, beautiful lady? There was a pause and then... Oh, a little chapel, a little chapel. The girl knelt erect and motionless, her face suffused with softness and peace. Then quite suddenly her straight back crumpled and she fell to the ground in a faint. Once back in the house on her bed, she recovered immediately but began crying. There was nothing physically wrong with Mariette, as a second doctor soon found out. "'Rather, she was overcome with grief, "'for it soon transpired that during the course of this meeting "'the lady had extended both her hands above the child's head "'and then, with the right hand only, had given a blessing. "'After this, she rose in the air and, as before, "'floated away between the two tall pine trees. "'Despite the efforts of the crowded household to comfort Mariette, "'she remained inconsolable in her belief that the lady would not return.' "'Nevertheless, the next evening found her as usual in the garden. "'Nothing happened. "'Undeterred, Mariette knelt in the garden and said the rosary night after night. "'At first onlookers came and stood in the roadway. "'But eventually they stopped coming, "'so that there was just this small, lonely figure "'gazing wistfully at the crest of the pines, "'as if willing her visitor to earth again. "'The passage of time did nothing to alleviate Mariette's sorrow.' If anything, it only added to it, one way or another. Apart from her father, no one else believed the child, particularly her aunts and grandmother, who were convinced that she was putting on a pious show and never refrained from telling her so. And the fact that she now went to Mass each morning and regularly attended his catechism classes cut no ice with Father Jamin. Right from the start, he had reserved his judgment and now he hoped that the whole business would die a natural death. Meanwhile, he treated the little Becco girl kindly and encouraged her with her religious studies. Not so her peers, who chided and derided her at every opportunity, and most especially at school. ''Oh, there's little Bernadette!'' was a favourite cry whilst kneeling in front of Mariette. Others called after her, ''Have you seen Our Lady today?'' Oft times these taunts were accompanied by physical violence. But the young Mariette shed no tears on that account, though each evening, after praying in the garden, she was seen to be weeping at the non-appearance of her lady. The days passed, and then it was February the 11th, the feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. Everyone was more conscious of the Mother of God that day, and at school the whole story of the apparitions to Bernadette Soubru was related. As for Mariette, she prayed that today of all days her lady would appear. This evening, as she knelt in the garden as usual, her father joined her, whilst outside in the roadway stood a priest and five nursing sisters, who earlier that day had called at the Becko house to ask questions. After the recitation of the rosary, Mariette stood up and gazed longingly at the gap in the pines, hoping against hope that the lady would not only lighten the gloom of the dark winter's night, "'but that of her soul, too. "'It was just after Julian Becko went back into the house "'that the priest and nuns saw Mariette drop to her knees, "'her face transformed with joy. "'After a while, the girl left the garden, "'passed the priest and the sisters, "'and proceeded down the road, "'kneeling twice on the way as she had on previous occasions.
1: "'What
0: are you doing? Where are you going?' called out the priest and his coterie, who followed in her wake. Mariette made no reply as she continued on the way to the spring, where she knelt and once more began praying the rosary. Then she leaned forward and plunged her hand and rosary into the water and made the sign of the cross. After kneeling for a few minutes more, the priest and nuns heard Mariette say, "Thank "'Thank you, thank you,' and then she burst into tears. Once back at the house, and when the tears had subsided, Julian and with his daughter and the witnesses to the apparition, immediately sought out Father Jammin, who, having convinced himself that the goings-on were at an end, showed no pleasure when he saw the visitors on his doorstep. Nevertheless, as on previous occasions, he questioned Mariette. "'And what did she have to say this time?' he then asked. Without hesitation, Mariette replied, ''The Blessed Virgin said, ''I have come to alleviate suffering.'' Then the child frowned and went on, ''I cried a lot before we came to see you, Padre.'' ''Why was that, my child?'' ''Because I didn't know what the words meant.'' She turned and looked at her father. ''But Papa explained, ''I felt better after that.''
1: ''Well,''
0: the priest rubbed his chin... I suppose you do know that nobody in the village believes you. Mariette made no reply, but the witnesses exclaimed, Well, something must have happened out there because this child looks so, so beautiful. Yes, and so peaceful, too. Be that as it may, said Father German. No one else believes it, but perhaps if Mariette were to ask for a sign. uh, Yes, that's it. "'Mariette, you ask your lady for a sign. "'Perhaps that will settle the business once and for all.' "'The little girl nodded and then asked, "'Please, Padre, can I make my first communion tomorrow?' "'What?' the man frowned. "'Why?' "'This sudden and unexpected request had taken him by surprise. "'Why tomorrow? Has the Blessed Virgin asked you to?' "'No, but I'm sure it would please her.' "'I see.' "'No, you can't make it tomorrow. "'You will make it in May, along with the other children. "'No, I will make it tomorrow. "'But you don't even know how to make a good confession. "'Well, you'll have to teach me then, won't you?' "'said Mariette with determination, a determination that paid off. "'For the next morning, which was a Sunday, "'she made her first communion, just as she had said she would. "'That evening Mariette went as usual to the garden, "'but the lady did not appear.' Neither did she on Monday or Tuesday. On the Wednesday, Louise Becco joined the slender ranks of the converted and accompanied her daughter and husband into the garden for the first time. Mariette, a warm cloak covering her body and a white berry on her head, knelt between her parents and began praying the rosary. After two decades, she stopped, raised her head and spoke. ''Blessed Virgin, the Padre told me to ask you for a sign.'' After this, all was silent. A short while later, Mariette began sobbing, and even when she went back into the house, her tears did not abate. She sat at the table, her head buried in her hands. "'What did she say to you, then?' asked Father Germain when he questioned her later. "'I told the lady you wanted a sign, and she smiled and said, "'Believe in me, and I will believe in you.' ''Believe in me, and I will believe in you,'' said the priest. ''But that's not possible.'' ''Believe in me, yes, I understand that. ''But why should she have said, ''And I will believe in you?'' ''I don't know.'' Mariette shrugged her shoulders. ''But that's what she said. ''And she told me a secret, too.'' ''Secret?'' ''Yes, she said to me, ''It is for you alone, Mariette. ''You must not tell it to anyone.'' Not even your parents. But surely you would tell it to a bishop if he asked you. No, never. You could put a gun at my head, and I still wouldn't say anything. You wouldn't? Father Jamin raised his eyebrows. No, I wouldn't. You could threaten to break my neck like a rabbit, and I still wouldn't say a word. Snow was falling heavily on Monday, February the 20th, when the lady made her next appearance. Mariette, with eight other people, went into the garden at the usual time of seven o'clock. After five decades of the rosary, she stood up, cold and stiff, but during the tenth she knelt again, stretched out her arms a little way and continued praying. But her words came more quickly, and her voice was louder. Then again Mariette was led to the spring, where she said a few more prayers before covering her face with her hands. When her tears subsided and back in the house, Mariette explained, Our Lady did not smile this time. And she said to me, My dear child, pray a lot. After this she said, Au revoir, and went away. The Lady's gravity made a deep impression on Mariette and when at ten-thirty that night her father peered in her room before retiring, his young daughter was on her knees, praying. Snow had given way to rain, and tonight, Thursday, March the 2nd, it was falling in torrents, when punctually at seven o'clock, Mariette, with a shawl over her head, emerged from the house and knelt in her accustomed place, while one of the five women present held an umbrella over her as she prayed. At the completion of ten mysteries of the rosary, the rain suddenly stopped and the sky cleared to reveal the stars. In the middle of the final mystery, Mariette stood up and took a step forward, held out her arms, then knelt again and resumed her prayers. As on February the 20th, her pace quickened and her voice became louder. A few more prayers, then she stopped and cried out, Yes! Yes! Then she flung herself to the soggy ground where she lay in a crumpled heap, sobbing convulsively while still attempting to say her prayers. Meanwhile, the sky blackened again and the rain once more became torrential. Once back in the house and calmer, Mariette replied to her questioners, The Blessed Virgin didn't smile tonight. She looked very sad, really. She didn't speak straight away, but looked at me. Then after a while she said, I am the mother of the Saviour, the mother of God. Then she came closer to me and blessed me, just like she did on the fourth time she came to visit me. After that she said adieu. She's never said that to me before. She always said au revoir. The following morning, Mariette Becco told Father Germain, the Blessed Virgin will never return. No, she has gone, and I know I'll never see her again. You see, this time she said goodbye. was right. The lady never did come back. Yet every night both villages and visitors to Banner went to the Becco's garden and said the rosary, despite the continuing bad weather. At first it seemed incredible that there should be this sort of response, especially as few of the locals believed Mariette. Even Father Jaman continued his aloof silence. Furthermore, what could be more coldly mundane than to go and kneel and pray in the dark? "'on a cabbage patch, where the ground was either frozen hard "'or else nothing more than a muddy pond "'because of the persistent rain and snow. "'At Lourdes and Fatima, and at neighbouring Beaurang, too, hundreds of thousands of people at one stage or another "'witnessed the apparitions, whereas at Baner "'there was never more than twenty. "'Furthermore, Mariette did not endear herself to people. "'She had none of the fineries or pleasantries of most young ladies.' On the contrary, she was stubborn, strong-willed, and blunt to the point of rudeness. For instance, when an elderly woman asked her if Our Lady was really beautiful, Mariette said, Well, at any rate, she was much better looking than you. And to another person, who asked her if she would tell the Pope the secret, she retorted, Well, if I can't tell Mamma and Papa, I certainly won't tell him. Added to all this, the lady had come at a particular moment in time when people were far less disposed to believe in a heavenly visitation. This was because her appearances followed within days of the final one at Boerang, also in Belgium. This gave most people the impression that Mariette was just trying to copy the children there. What then made Father Jamin suddenly become her advocate? Years later, he never tired of saying that the turning point for him was a message he had received from Mariette after the seventh apparition. Before that apparition, he had the presumption to ask for a sign. Mariette told her lady about this. At first, the lady smiled and said nothing, but later came the words, Believe in me, and I will believe in you. After thinking about these words for a long time, Father Jamin took them to be a personal admonition, and from then on he supported Mariette though secretly at first, so as not to compromise the church's position. But as pilgrims came in ever-increasing numbers to Baner, and feeling that the lady had given him a special part to play in the development of the shrine, he came out into the open and did his best to make the messages of the lady, who had stated that she was God's mother, well known. The first thing he realised was that by calling herself the Virgin of the Poor, Our Lady had come to identify herself with the poor and the downtrodden, the working classes upon whom the pall of religious indifference and boredom had descended during the Depression of the Thirties. The working man looked to the emergent socialist movement to end unemployment and the ever-increasing bread queues. The feeling rampant at the time was that the Church had identified herself far too much with comfortable bourgeois religious values, "'and had no feeling for the poor, the sick and the starving, "'and was doing nothing very much to help. "'The Pope himself could hardly argue with this "'and called the loss of the working classes to the Church "'the great scandal of the times. "'Our Lady had come to redress the balance "'and to invigorate the Church once more "'with care and concern for the poor, its true responsibility. "'Julian Becco typified many men of the time. "'He had no regular employment,' And what living was possible he had to scratch from the soil, muddy, marshy, and unyielding soil at that. To produce anything meant a long and hard, strenuous day of toil, and always ever present in his mind was the worry of whether he would be able to support his large family. It was to people like him that Our Lady came, coming to the front door of his humble dwelling with a smile on her face and a heart full of love, to show him that she really cared for her children, was one with them, and wanted to alleviate suffering and help the sick. Suffering caused not only from lack of food, but also for those unemployed, the feeling of being unwanted, useless and uncared for, perhaps the greatest disease of the day. Another evil of poverty is the spiritual destitution which goes along with it, and again the Beckers were typical of many such families. They never went to church. There was nothing of a religious nature in the home. No statues, no crucifix. And even the rosary beads that Mariette alone of the family possessed were ones she had found by the side of the road. God meant nothing to them. They lacked confidence too, and found it difficult to relate with people. There was an emptiness, a void, which God was only too willing to fill with himself. This showed in Mary's request for a little chapel, one that would not lay a financial burden on the shoulders of the people, just one large enough to lead them to her son. It wasn't long before the tiny building was erected in the Becco's garden, with a marble mosaic marking the exact spot where Our Lady had stood. Again, Father Jamin was instrumental in this, not only encouraging those willing to accede to Our Lady's wishes, but actually designing the building himself. The foundation stone was laid as early as the 25th of May, 1933, and the first Mass was celebrated on the Feast of the Assumption that same year. Now there are many chapels and many altars where people can visit him, the one to whom Our Lady points. The building programme continued, and in 1938 a hospital was built to care for the sick, who since the inception of the Shrine had come in great numbers, encouraged by the remarkable number of cures which took place in 1933, and which not only provided Father Jamin with the sign he had sought, but no longer required, but also pointed to the supernatural origin of the apparitions. Bishop Kirchhoff of Liège, in whose diocese Banner is situated, listed 20 miracles that took place between 1933 and 1938, on this evidence and that of the commission he established, the bishop was able to declare in 1949, after many years of careful investigation, that the Mother of God really appeared to Mariette Becco in banner eight times during 1933. Long before this pronouncement, though, pilgrims flocked to this hamlet and now there are almost a million annually. Thus pilgrims come at the bidding of the Virgin of the Poor, and they answer her request to pray a lot, which Mary repeated three times during the apparitions. As the mother of the Saviour, the mother of God, Mary knows the importance of prayer, and Mariette set the example. Every evening at seven o'clock, without fail and irrespective of the weather, the girl said her rosary in the front garden, and this she continued to do until the time she left the village and buried. She is now a grandmother, but her life has never been a bed of roses, which could be why Our Lady said, I shall pray for you. Je prie pour toi, you personally. Only rarely does Mariette go into Berners, preferring to stay in the background. Her work there is finished. But the rosaries continue and have gone unbroken to this day, at the same spot where Mary appeared. Even during the Second World War, when there was a battle raging in and around the village, the rosary was said. And at the spring, which has flowed profusely since Mariette plunged her hands into a muddy ditch, which Our Lady said was for all nations, people dip their hands into the water, and the visiting sick are bathed daily. Masses are said constantly, and the invocations ring out. Blessed Virgin of the poor, lead us to Jesus, source of grace. Blessed Virgin of the poor, save all nations. Blessed Virgin of the poor, relieve the sick. Blessed Virgin of the poor, alleviate suffering. Blessed Virgin of the poor, Pray for each one of us. Blessed Virgin of the poor, we believe in you. Blessed Virgin of the poor, believe in us. Blessed Virgin of the poor, we will pray hard. Blessed Virgin of the poor, bless us. Blessed Virgin of the poor, Mother of the Saviour, Mother of God. We thank you. Blessed Virgin of the poor, lead us to Jesus, the source of eternal life. At Berner, Our Lady gave the title by which she desired to be honoured. I am the Virgin of the Poor. You, the poor, the sick, the refugees, the prisoners, arms deprived of work limbs deprived of shelter, sufferers of every kind and of every country, you to whom the earthly sojourn appears to offer tears and privations, despite all efforts that are made and must be made to come to your help. Raise up your eyes to her, who before you traversed the way of poverty, contempt, exile, and pain, whose soul was pierced with the sword of sorrow at the foot of the cross, and whose eyes now contemplate steadily the light eternal.